0: Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello, and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are delighted to be joined by front of house engineer and all round live sound specialist, Simon Honeywell. Simon has worked for an incredibly eclectic array of artists down the years, including the likes of Goldfrapp, Catherine Jenkins, Chris Ria, Boyzone, as well as mixing sound at events such as Glastonbury, Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, and Children in Need. Um, Simon, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you?
1: I'm all right thank you yeah thanks for uh, thanks for having me
0: you're uh, you're very welcome uh so uh you know looking forward to having a chat with you today about some of the upcoming projects that you've been working on and and the the busy schedule that you have coming up but um it would be remiss of me to not ask you about how things have been for the last couple of years before we uh fully kick off what what can you tell us about how um you know we all know about the the impacts that covid and the pandemic has had on the on the live industry as a whole yeah and the, the devastating toll that that has taken but um what can you tell us about your sort of personal experiences of the past couple of years how have you how have you kind of navigated the 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 challenges that we've faced
1: well it it was um it was kind of interesting really um I suppose in the first place, and I imagine most people probably felt the same, you kind of think, oh, you know, our industry will never be affected by this. We survived everything, <laughs> which, we, you know, because, I mean, having done it for as long as I have, you kind of been through various uh, sort of historic phases of economic downturn and stuff, and it always seems to kind of shine through. But very, it became very apparent that this time was different. And um, I very quickly uh, sort of disappeared down a kind of a dark hole of, um, you know, of depression really because I was coming to terms with the fact that, you know, over 40 years in the industry really stood for nothing. Um, And uh, I got quite angry about that. And, um, I, yeah, I, I was unsure about what was going to happen. I was, I was very kind of, uh, yeah. Uncertain of anything really. Uh, and it's, it, it was really frustrating because, you know, some of the things that were reported reportedly being said by the likes of Dominic Cummings about the ballerinas get to the back of the queue, all that kind of stuff was, I, I thought, okay, this is the size of it. Um, and on a broader political spectrum, I, I guess that what we do is actually totally unimportant to the greater good. You know, what we do is help help people have fun um, more than anything else. Uh, and and, uh, and so it was tough to start with, but um, I it turned out that actually. It, you know, here we are two years down the line or whatever. And um, it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to my career because it made me re- re- you know, re- re- rethink the way that I worked. Um, you know, I'm no spring chicken anymore. And the traditional way of working, of touring and, you know, driving hundreds of miles to do a one-day gig and all that kind of stuff was really doing me in and uh, it, but it's, you know, it was kind of habitual, but I, uh, what, what, you know, what saved me was um, my relationship with Martin audio and, and RG Jones sound engineering as well. Um, and Dom Harter, the MD he and I had a conversation and he said, don't worry, we're going to look after you. So, uh, and, and they have, and it, it's, it's, um, I mean, you know, there's a story there in itself, but it, it, the, um, I've been incredibly lucky, incredibly lucky, and I now actually have more sort of financial surety, certainty than I can ever remember having, um, and it's all physically, physically less taxing, uh, which is brilliant.
0: Well, I mean that's it's great to hear um but like you said I think um I think uh, you know I say I think I know a lot of people felt the same way irrespective of how much uh, experience you've had in this line of work it did very much feel like this was something that had just almost overnight just switched off and yeah. and then there was no no certainty, no knowledge as to when things were going to return to normal. It was an incredibly unsettling time. Whether you're a newcomer or whether, whether like you said, you've been doing it for forty years, it's um, you know it, it was a it was unlike anything we've ever seen. But great to hear that things are are coming back. And I know you, you mentioned um, Martin Audio and the role that they've played in kind of keeping you going during that time, which we will touch on in just a moment as well. Um, but I was wondering if you can tell us about your your view on how things are, are progressing at the moment with regard to COVID. Because I think in day to day life there is a sense that things have obviously not returned to complete normality, but there's a sense that we can go to we're going to coffee shops and pubs and restaurants and shops and some people are wearing masks, some aren't. It feels day to day that there is a you know that everything feels a little bit more familiar. How much is that the case for the live sound world?
1: I think that audiences are still nervous. Um, I get that feeling. Uh, I, I, I get the, I get the feeling that people don't want to commit. Um, and it, you know, if you are in the business of actually, you know, trying to sell tickets to something, which is something I'm actually involved in right now. Um, It's kind of, yeah, it's a bit shaky, really. Um, It's difficult to know. I think it's harder, much harder to sell a show. And I think there are a lot of considerations uh, around that, that people are actually thinking about more than they ever have. And that's things like, you know, traveling to the venue, what happens when we get there? do we have to have COVID passports? Are we going to get tested? What happens if we get there and we can't get in and all this kind of stuff. Uh, And, and, you know, what if the person next to us starts sneezing halfway through the gig? (laughs) You know, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of scary uh, in many ways. Um, And I, and I think that we are, uh, we're basically making it all up as we go along. Um, You know, I think there's a, there's an element of like sod it. Let's just get on with it and then try and make it happen. Um, and uh, from the point of view of, you know, the artists and promoters, certainly because, you know, artists want to get out there and perform. Uh, and, and you know, prom- promoters want to, you know, want to do what they do. Um, and it's, um You know, the, the the fact that COVID and any sort of policies that may or may not be in place is in the way, uh, you know, some people seem to be trying really hard to work with it and other people just seem to be ignoring it totally. Mm. Um, I, I, It's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a minefield, I think, actually.
0: Yeah. I mean, how does... I mean, how does that make you feel when you're approaching a show or a project? You're, you're going to work and you can see that the, the attitudes towards, you know, safety, uh, mask wearing, whatever it
1: may be, you um, know, when. when conf- more than anything else, just confused. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's funny because uh, some places you go into, you feel kind of compelled to wear a mask and distance, and other places you don't and um I, I you know i think it's a fairly natural humanistic thing to actually uh you know you react to the way people behave around you uh, and uh you know some people enjoy wearing masks <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> um so so but uh i it's difficult i, I yeah i find it confusing mm. and i think i'm not alone in that do you think
0: uh-huh. sorry, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, go on, carry on. I was gonna say, do you do you
0: think that uh, you know, venues are doing enough to ensure that people are sort of following the, the guidelines? You know, I've I've heard um a couple of things anecdotally um from people who've said they've gone to shows where they were told that in advance they would have to show uh, you know a proof of a a negative COVID test taken within 48 hours of the show. And then they've not actually been asked to present that when they've arrived and they've just been waved in. I've heard that a number of times over the course of the summer. Is that something that you've, that you've have any experience of or have any thoughts on?
1: The only, the only thing I encountered was, um, I went to Henley festival, which I've been working on as an engineer forever for decades, but I went as a punter, uh, Uh, you know busman's holiday kind of thing um, this time around I mean it's a fabulous event and actually there was a a Martin Audio party there Martin Audio and RG Jones and um, they were checking people's COVID um, you know their their vaccination cards on the gate I didn't realise this until I got there Um, and uh, I won't. I won't kind of reveal too much. It's not really fair on the people on the gate. But with a bit of uh, a bit of sweet talking, actually, they let us in. Mm. Um, and I can't remember. It was something. Maybe we showed them the you know the appointments in the. I can't remember appointments in my calendar on my iPhone or something. I can't remember. But um, yeah, um, you know that was that. So it, it's mm. with some people. I suppose you know. I'm 62 years old. People look at you and think you must have had both jabs by now, which I have. Uh, and, and, um, you know, they, they kind of look at that and they, they also sort of think, do you look trustworthy? You know, are you, are you a super spreader? Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't, maybe I don't look like a super spreader. I don't know. I don't know what a super spreader looks like, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, there's no hard and fast rules, and I think that the ultimate responsibility for all of that has to go to the fact that nobody's had any proper guidance from the government, really. So, um, so yeah, um, mm-hmm. don't get me started on the government.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. We we could we could devote hours to that I think, um, but,
1: um, Well, maybe
0: that's that's a good time to uh, t- to bring the conversation back to Martin Audio and uh, the comments you made earlier about how they've really helped to keep you going through this time. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What what has Martin Audio done to help support you uh, through this period? And and if you can just start as well by by telling us a little bit about how your relationship with them uh, first started.
1: Yeah. So, um, in, um, in the early two thousands, um, I was uh, working with RG Jones and desperately trying to find the right line array system for them. And, um, we used everything, (laughs) you know, we, we, we tried everything and, um, it got to a point where, uh, um, the, uh, there was a button about to be pushed on a purchase and um, Rob Lingfield, bless his soul, who was a friend and a and, and colleague and he was European sales director at the time. He said, no, don't do that. You know, you need to see this see and hear this. And, um, he, uh, we, we did a, a big, a, a big classical show down in Kent with, um, the WAL system. And, uh, i went. Like, oh yeah, um, <laughs> that sounds like music. Um, none of the others do really. And, uh, it's, um, uh, it's very soon. Well, not, so, so yeah, RG's bought, uh, a, a, a reasonable amount of WALC's systems. And I toured a lot with it, um, and, um, and loved it, you know, it was great, um, uh, and really, yeah, I mean, the thing I'll always, always say to everybody, they're all sick to death of hearing me say it, but it's the only, I think it's the only line around that There are the only systems that sound like music really should do. And, and, um, you know, if you're going to make a big loudspeaker play very loud, um, you can do any amount of clever stuff to manipulate the wavefronts or whatever it is, but, that's all well and good, but if it doesn't actually sound like music, it's kind of pointless. Mm. Um, I, I uh, So, yeah, I mean, I used the equipment a lot. And then I was introduced as a kind of a potential early adopter to the MLA system. And uh, when that was described to me, I went, nah, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> as did lots of other people. And uh, lo and behold, you could. And there was a demo in Earl's Court, empty Earl's Court of MLA. And um, the system had been, you know, set up to the software. This is what it was doing. And he walked the room and that was what it was doing, even in an empty Earl's Court. And And it sounded great. And I thought, hang on a minute, this is a bit serious. And I said to Rob at the time, I want in on this. I want to be involved um and that resulted in me being signed up as a, a product advocate and, tra- and trainer mm. for MLA systems and uh, this was probably uh, 2011 or 12 something like that mm. um and so for I handled all the MLA training or a lot of it anyway for for a few years and um generally bored people stupid with how brilliant it was. And still is, uh, it's still ahead of its time. Uh, and, um, did things like put it into, you know, persuaded the production that off the pyramid at Glastonbury to use it, uh, to help with off site levels and all of that. And we got fantastic results. And, um, the, you know, as time, went by, uh, you know, Dom eventually, I, I, Dom asked me to, um, you know, to write a few bits and pieces for various significant events once, you know, once he'd kind of got, come on board. And, um, and then when lockdown happened, uh, Dom asked me to get involved with the launch of Optimal Audio, which is the new brand, uh, which is part of the group. And I've been doing things like uh, putting together the user guides, and throughout over the last eighteen months, just being involved in the product development of that, and doing some voicing for loudspeakers and and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, and and but my ongoing involvement in Martin Audio is very much still in place. Mm. As yeah, as a. As a as a product advocate, as a you know, flying the flag and and all of that stuff, really. Um, mm. And I wouldn't have it any other way because, um, uh, yeah, there, there, there is nothing in my view that sounds anything like as good. Mm. And they all, to me, all the others sound really dull and kind of flat and lifeless, and and or. Yeah, or unmusical, and I don't mind. Who, I don't mind who hears that. It's what I think, you know. And and uh,
0: is is there anything you can kind of point to that uh, that the the Martin Audio does that that separates their products and and their offering from you know other other brands? You know, without without giving away too many company secrets, of course.
1: Well, it's it's about. I think a lot of it is about. You know, everything is all about people, really, and the people behind it all. I think you know there is a there is a there is a vibe at that company that that um, that really kind of ends up in the DNA of the products. And some of the, uh, I mean, the, you know, MLA and, and now you know Way from Precision, the technology behind those systems. It goes, I love the fact that it actually took the whole idea of a line around and turned it on its head. You know, it's not about what comes out of the speakers, it's about what happens at people's ears in the audience. And it suddenly made everything else look like ancient history when, you know, when that idea is like, oh, that's a really good idea. Why didn't we think of that? Hmm. And, you know, there are other companies have made some, from what I, you know, my experience, some fairly poor attempts to uh, to actually emulate the same kind of thing um but it's about the it's about the uh, it's a combination of all kinds of things you know it, whatever you make a loudspeaker out of is always going to affect what it sounds like but it's it's about the minds that go together to actually produce that and when you look at something like i don't know cdd the technology which is as far as I'm aware, the first ever directional coaxial professional loudspeaker, you think, yeah, come on. And they sound fantastic. I've got a pair right in front of me now, a studio monitor. I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, people. it's about creative thinking. It's about people working together with a common purpose. And whilst all of that stemmed from Dave Martin's Efforts back in the early seventies, you know where they are now is a fantastic kind of story of, of you know iterations of, of taking a fundamental principle and, and applying it uh, with ever you know ever more accessible and and exciting technology.
0: Mm. I mean, it's interesting. There, you said that the. You know what makes essentially what makes the company is the people, and that fuels the progression of technology and the products that come out of that company. On that on that note, uh, the the people at Martin Audio, uh, we spoke just before we started recording about um, the Martin Audio family campaign, mm. uh, which uh, was launched fairly recently off the back of you know events of the past couple of years. Uh, what can you tell us about about that campaign and what it what it has meant to you?
1: Well, uh, there is um uh there is a feeling uh of belonging. Um it's almost <laughs> it, it, it's almost like a uh it's like a, you know it's like a secret gang that you had know, at school. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, we know something that other people are blind to. Uh you know, it it's um you know, we we know we we know about this stuff, and we use this stuff because uh, it gives us a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. And uh, whilst you know, it might not be world dominating in the way that some other European products are and American products, uh, you have a feeling of belonging. To a group of people who I think appreciate audio in a uh, an aesthetic way that I think is special, um, the, the the Martin Audio family thing. This industry is notorious for making life difficult for you. You know, if you want to have a family. Um, and Martin audio, I think they understand that and it, it, it I, you know, there, there's a real sense of both the customers, the clients and, and the, and the people who work for the company as a, as a, you know, as a family who have this kind of, yeah, the, the, the secret gang mentality <laughs> for a good reason, um, but there's also this this feeling that that you know people's lives at home and you know the kind of the, the the underlying foundations that that allow people to achieve at work are something that also gets thought about I mean you know I spent my whole sort of first whatever thirty five something years and more uh, just to basically as a workaholic and uh and the industry doesn't you know they don't care about what goes on at home because you know if you get run over they just get someone else um or you know or if your wife gets run over or if you want to have a family uh you know you've got to expect to not be there uh and um that's all different and martin there's a wonderful feeling of uh, of actually being able to uh, behave like a normal human being.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. What a rare commodity that is in, it is. Uh, in, in, in this industry. It certainly is. Um, is that something that's always been there or is that something that's been uh, not, not necessarily brought on, but heightened by the pandemic? Cause I think everyone with the amount of time that they have, the amount more time perhaps they've spent at home with their families regardless of what line of work you're in and people have been at home a lot more working from home when they might typically be in an office or on a building site or wherever it may be. Are people generally thinking a little bit more about those things now, the home life, a a work life balance, the stuff that happens away from the workplace?
1: Absolutely. I mean, from my own experience, it's completely altered my whole perception of what home really means. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, I I now I've painted the house for the first time in my life. You know, yeah. I actually the the these bricks and you know the, the, these bits of stone and all of that kind of stuff mean more to me than they ever than any home in the past ever has. Mm-hmm. And um, I love it. I love my home. In the past, it was it was yeah, it wasn't much more ultimately than. You know, it, it was a it it was you know ultimately sounds terrible, but it wasn't much more than another hotel room, mm. um, a, a, and you know hotel hotel room with kids in, <laughs> and that's that can be pretty hard <laughs> work sometimes, um, you know always get the room in the, you know always get the room in the Premier Inn. There's a big family next door and all the kids are going, yeah. <laughs> but um. But no, I mean it. it, it, it it's uh, yeah, it's made me. It's made me think, I suppose, also about how, and I think, and people would, a lot of other people would agree about how the industry has got to grow up as a whole on on this whole thing. Um, you know, I think I think that the that people and their well being and you know the carbon footprint and sustainability of everything we do is something that that we need to take a very long hard look at mm. um it, you know it, it, it I, I i'd like i was hoping that we'd come out of you know the pandemic with new models for touring and all that kind of stuff but no you know it's all going back to the same old stuff mm. um nobody seems to be actually trying Nobody wants to take the risk, I suppose. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if you remember, um, what's it been, 2014 or 15? Kate Bush did those shows at Hammersmith. Mm. She did a, a month run. Yeah. And that occurred to me then that an artist with her kind of standing and, and you know, you could be talking about anybody that is an arena-sized attraction um, from the point of view of everybody involved on the crew, the band and the audience, that thing about, yes, okay, people, you know, people came from all over the world to see that show. But if you took that kind of model and and, and perhaps, you know, with some careful planning, did it in, maybe 5 or 6 different places which some people do you know around the country people call you know two two stadium shows a tour these days but it strikes me as being a much more manageable way to work for everybody involved and quite possibly a lot a lot more sustainable as well i don't yeah. know but
0: no it's certainly interesting uh, the the idea of looking at that kind of model and just taking into account the you know, the the physical and mental toll of the kind of traditional tour, you know, going out for hundreds of dates in a year, just, you know, it's, it's a gruelling thing to do. And I think that Great. one of the things that's always been quite uh, diff- challenging for everyone involved, whether it's the artists, whether it's crew, whether it's lighting, sound engineers, whatever it may be, is there's always been a real hesitancy to... um be seen as whining or moaning about that so you're in a privileged position you're out touring in a band on the road whatever like you know you've you've kind of hit the jackpot don't complain um and i think that's hopefully something that would you would like to see change so that people can kind of hold their hands up and go no hang on this is too much you know we're not we're not designed to be put through these kind of schedules um and come Mm. out unscathed at the other end um so, yeah, if there is some way that people can do things, you know, and if it's more sustainable, brilliant as well. But, um, yeah, something that can just kind of protect people a little bit more would be would be nice to see.
1: When, uh, back in the day, um, I was involved in the early days of Michael Flatley's Lord of the Dance, and that was brilliant because we'd do a week in one place. Mm. You know, you'd have a couple of days a week which were – hard work as you you know you you loaded in and got the first show up and running but after that it was fantastic and no matter where we went whether you know whether it was here or australia or wherever uh it was fantastic because you were able to actually relax and take you know and and reap the benefits of being in exotic places and and you know and all of that it was really awesome um a great way of doing it. And I can't, you know, I think that that it's almost like a West end model already. Yeah. um, Would be a a, a lot more interesting, I think. And, and a lot kinder.
0: Yeah. So what's next for you? What are you, what are you working on at the moment? And what what do you have coming up that you can tell us about? And and also how has it felt to be actually discussing work again and and looking you know, mapping out a, a series of dates and projects,
1: Well, uh, it's um, it's been. um, I mean, it's it's been slightly different. Uh, The actual shows that I've I've done, uh, I've not done that many. Um, I've covered a you know couple of nice gigs for some friends and things like that. But um, the the uh, the thing I'm working on at the moment is is here local in my hometown of Plymouth. Um, is a thing called the Illuminate uh, Light Festival. And you may be thinking, why is a sound engineer involved in a light festival? You may well ask. Um, but uh, I've got a couple of involvements there. One is I've done a soundscape for a, a large projection mapping thing where a building kind of, it's called rewilding, and a building collapses and then... Um, comes back as a green, you know, the, the nature takes over basically. Mm. Um, and that kind of runs throughout, throughout the festus lasts for two weeks, but I also have, um, an installation called the light organ where, uh, I have, I did this in 2019 first, but what we've, what we've got is a beautiful room in a grade one listed building. Um, with, uh, it's not a big stage, but then, but, but the, behind it, the stage is a massive spectrum analyzer, mm. and that runs live to whatever's happening on the stage. So I've basically booked all my mates to come and play. Um, and uh, I've, I've got six nights of music um, coming up starting Friday. So I've been kind of um, trying my hand at promotion, and I don't like it. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the gigs are great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it, uh, it, it, I mean, the last time we did it, it was hugely popular. Um, and it looks fantastic. And, you know, we've got an immersive Martin audio sound system in there and, uh, and, uh, it, it, people get very excited when they can actually relate what they're hearing to what they're seeing. Um, cause I do a little bit of explanation to people cause, uh, you know, it's all about, educating people to how important sound is, you know, that's my making the world a better sounding place. That's, you know, yeah, that's my, that's my mantra. Um, And when you explain it, you say, Oh, you know, when you, when you hear the, when you hear the, you know, the kick drum, you can hear those, see those ones going up and down over there. They go, Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) and there's a piano that people can come up and tinkle with during the act between the acts and stuff. And they can, you know, they can play it and, See what happens on the on the the, uh, the installation, but you know it, it's kind of cool. People like it, so that's that's occupied a lot of my time recently, and will do until the end of next week. Um, and then um, I'm doing some work with the Para Orchestra, who are a fabulous organisation who I work with. Um, doing some recording in Bath, which will be a fabulous thing. Um, and then next next year is War of the Worlds. Oh, wow. Um, so that is, I can't remember, I think it's February, March time. Fantastic. Um, which is a beast.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, how, how do you approach a show like that? How, how much preparation is involved?
1: Well, um, I mean, I've been doing it long enough now that, you know, I know what to expect and most of the people involved know what to expect. Um, There's always something new and there's always things like new guest artists doing the the singing parts and things. Mm. Um, But it's, uh, I mean, you know, it's an epic production, and and to be involved in something that is that popular uh, on that scale is is, is cool. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as preparation is concerned, I'm always kind of interested to try and inject, you know, if there's something new that can go into it that I think will benefit the show, Jeff Wayne's really up for all of that. He loves his technology. Mm. Um, I mean, last time we int- on monitors, we introduced the Clang system, um, and you know, you could see Jeff. He was up there with his 3D immersive in-ear mix, like in another world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I mean, the audio on that is it's pretty full on. There's, there's you know, it's 150 odd inputs and. Um, we have effects, speakers dotted around the arenas, and it's a bit of a beast of a production to load in and out, especially on a, you know, a back-to-back basis. It's brutal.
0: Yeah, I can can imagine. Um, Also, are you, uh, uh, if you're able to say so, are you you going to be doing Glastonbury uh, when that returns next summer?
1: Well, there have been conversations. um, Quite... In what, I mean, yes, pyramid, you know, uh, is happening. Um, the rest of it is up in the air currently. As so as far as as far as kind of my involvement is concerned, mm. um, it, you know, there are still things that need to be tied down. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, Py- Py- pyramid has been confirmed. So excellent.
0: Yeah. Well it'll be fantastic and you know we're all I'm sure you know everyone's interested to see how it returns next year after you know after the last couple so it'll be fantastic to see what what form it takes and hopefully it'll be as close to as close to to normality as possible but you I'm know I'm sure as, it will be as, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. as we know it's yeah. it's hard to predict these things too far out but fingers crossed um well it's, it's been fascinating talking to you Simon. Thanks so much for for joining us today. Um and and hopefully we'll um we'll we'll, we'll be able to see you somewhere out on the roads on the road soon.
1: Yeah, and if anybody's in Plymouth over the next couple of weeks come and see uh, the light Organ the illuminate festival because it's a blast. Shameless that was wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: That's quite right. Shameless
1: opportunism.
0: <laughs> Oh, it's been it's been brilliant. Thank you very much, Simon. Really My appreciate pleasure. it. My pleasure.
1: Thanks, Dan, for asking me. Thank you. Thank you. Headliner Radio
0: supporting the creative community.